Hi again, it's Kelvin, the See Here Love Floor Manager. Did you know that three out of every five adults, 73% of Generation Z 18 to 22 year olds, report that they feel lonely? Experts are calling loneliness an epidemic, and it's on the rise. As we navigate through COVID-19, as we spend more time on social media and online, and as we struggle to belong and, and to find community, so today, we'll hear from inspiring guests who, well, from the outside, appear to have it all together, but were deeply lonely as they struggle with their mental health and past secrets. And Melinda speaks with experts on the dangers of loneliness and the strategies to help you get through. That's all coming up right now on See Here Love. Thanks, Calvin. Wow, those statistics are shocking, but wow, this is a, a very important topic today on loneliness, and I'm so glad my friend, Dr. Mary, psychologist, author, and podcaster, is here to help me understand loneliness. Welcome, Dr. Mary. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Dr. Mary, hearing those statistics, why are people so lonely then? Like, that's a big number. Well, we are in an unusual season of life, for sure. I mean, the stress of COVID and the requirements to social isolate. Um, you know, people are feeling like they're so tapped out that all they can do is focus on trying to get through work, take care of the kids. And so what's happening uh, is that people aren't spending as much time with others and they're not paying attention to their inner need for connection because we are wired for connection. And with the isolation, with the withdrawal, with the stress where you feel like you have no energy to do anything else and why do it anyway because I might get COVID, all of those factors can contribute to feelings of loneliness. Um, and I think um, in the short term, that's okay because that's a natural human emotion and we all have times that happens. The challenge is when it becomes chronic mm. and uh, you know, COVID, we don't know how long it's going to last. So that could be a factor for sure, but it's also what we choose to do to react to that isolation. How can we maintain connections? Because we, we are wired for connection. And uh, you know why I wanna say this really strongly, I would literally say that loneliness can kill you. Wow. And I say it that strongly because uh, it's pretty definitive data that chronic loneliness can shorten your lifespan. Uh, it can lead to a whole host of physical uh, ailments, um, heart condition, uh, all sorts of things. And let alone the mental health piece. I mean, loneliness can often be a, a, one of the factors of depression, but with depression, naturally the person wants to withdraw which uh, is the last thing they actually need because they need connection. So it just reinforces loneliness. And with depression, of course, can be an increase in suicide. So um, it's, it's a pretty serious issue. And I'm certainly seeing more and more of that occurring in my practice where people are dealing with chronic loneliness. And then, like I said, a whole host of emotional and physical and even spiritual issues that crop up from that. Wow, that's serious. Uh, serious discussion about that and, and that people are choosing to isolate. But just what I'm hearing you say, Dr. Mary, is that for now, because of our capacity, we are withdrawing, but don't stay there too long because it can lead to, to worse things and situations for ourselves. Thank you, Dr. Mary. That was really powerful and important insights and learnings for us today. And coming up, we're listening to two extraordinary women as they share their stories of loneliness, 
resilience, and healing. That's coming up. Well, speaking of extraordinary women, I have actor, TEDx speaker, author of Embracing Me, April Hernandez from the Bronx, New York, here with me. April, welcome. I am so excited to have you here on the show today. Thank you so much. You look absolutely beautiful. Oh, and you as well, as, as always. Now, <laughs> April, you have had an incredible life story, and I know that loneliness has been a thread in your own life. Why don't you share with us about your journey in and through loneliness? Loneliness. Wow. I would have to say the time where I felt the most um, lonely and was during my postpartum of my first uh, child, Summer Rose. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a thing of you're supposed to be excited. You're supposed to be, you know, having this amazing moment with motherhood. But yet I was experiencing severe postpartum and I felt extremely lonely because being Latina, we really don't ever speak about postpartum or not feeling right or not feeling connected to your child. So that added a level of loneliness that I've never experienced before in my life. Wow. Mm -hmm. Loneliness too. People would be like, but you're an actor and you're successful and you're out there and you're an author. And, and people wouldn't equate loneliness with someone that seems and looks so successful on the outside. Right. I Listen, I'm an extrovert. I love television. I love people. But yes, it happens to, it can happen to anyone. It really doesn't matter how much success you have in your life or how much money you have. But And I think that's what makes it even harder to deal with, right? Because everyone expects you to be a certain way. Mm. And once you begin going through these, it's chemically in your mind, you don't feel right. And you don't know how or when it's going to change. And that adds a level of depression. Um, I mean, there were days where, I, I could not get out of bed. Getting out of bed was harder than anything else. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember I had a friend where she would call me and it gets me emotional because she would stay on the phone with me to just hear me cry. And she would just say, all I need you to do is get up and go brush your teeth. Mm -hmm. If you can do that, then that is, um, you've succeeded. And that is how I was able to deal with the loneliness. It's so important, right, April, to have those people in your life, to have, to have those kinds of friends. What would you say to the women who don't have that, who don't have the friend that you did to, to call you when you were going through a post, postpartum and also feeling deeply lonely? It's interesting because I feel like everyone's journey is different, right? Everyone has their way of coming out of it. And I think... I really feel at the end of the day, it's a choice that you have to make for yourself and saying, okay, I'm feeling this loneliness. Let me figure out what is causing me to feel this, right? Let me, how do I identify what is causing this? I knew that I was depressed because of a chemical imbalance that I had no control over. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things of, I began uh, going to a therapist and, and really that's what my TED talk was about. It was talking and having a moment with my therapist and being able to feel free and saying, I'm not happy as a mom. I'm not happy. All everything that I was expecting, it didn't happen. And so I'm angry, but she allowed me the space. Right. And if so, if there are women who don't have that space, then journal, 
begin writing, begin talking into a camera, right? right? Even whoever you need to talk to, but don't allow those thoughts to remain in your brain, in your mind, in your soul, because that's what really makes everything worse. Now, I love that advice. And, you know, as you now are an author, your book, Embracing Me, what would you say about, you know, for you, that sort of the resilience part and the hope and your life now? I mean, that's, you know, a people that are in loneliness, they're kind of stuck and it's like, this is my life. It's a dark place. But what's the hope you can give them? Because you're you're now out of it and this is where you are. I kept telling myself, this too shall pass. Yes. I, I just kept saying, this too shall pass. With this pandemic, this too shall pass, right? There's a season for everything. There's a time to cry. There's a time to, of joy. And, and it really is. Now, sometimes some of those seasons feel longer than other situations. Um, but it's one of those moments where you just you just say to yourself, I choose to be okay. I choose to be better. I choose to not allow this to break me. And that really is what embracing me is about. Amazing. You know what? I'm so proud of you. I mean, your story, you're one of my like favorite actors. I've watched you on a number of shows and in your Freedom Writers uh, movie and just proud of you with your new book. So April, thank you so much for the encouragement of pushing through loneliness and choosing to say this too shall pass. Thank you so much for your life and your inspiration to us today. Thank you so much. And to another extraordinary woman, a mental health advocate and founder of Affirming Truths, a social media platform to help women affirm their identity in Christ, Carla Arges, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Melinda. You know, Carla, first off, let's just start off with what are your struggles with mental health as we talk about loneliness? Because I know this is a big conversation about loneliness and mental health today. So personally, I struggle with bipolar and borderline personality um, disorder, and they're characterized, yes, with periods of high, but with periods of low. Um, And I've struggled through trying to, you know, maintain my family and maintain my work ethic and show up the best I can all the while inside feeling great disconnect Mm. and loneliness and just anguish. So Carla, let's talk about that anguish and loneliness. How are you managing and navigating with that and your mental health? Well, they're so interconnected and, and here's the lie of mental illness and of loneliness is that I'm not good enough, that I'm a fraud and I reject myself. I can't accept myself. So it's hard for me to believe that other people will accept me. Mm. And that keeps me isolated. Um, And it's one of the great tools of the enemy to keep us from walking in our purpose because he isolates us from people and from God. And the way that I'm learning to move forward in that is through affirming my identity in Christ. Like, who does Christ say I am? He says I'm chosen. He says I'm loved. He says I'm seen. And in reminding myself of my true identity, it makes me more open to the thought that it's possible to be accepted by others. Oh, that's powerful. That's really powerful, Carla. A lot of loneliness is is for me in my struggle is rooted in fear of rejection and fear of not being accepted. 
So when, and there's a lot of people that are probably like, yes, I'm totally with you, Carla. So what are the steps then to say, you know, that I am loved and I am valued? How, how do you change that tape recorder in your brain to believe that and, and, and get connected with others? Yes. Well, it has to be an intentional practice. I have to choose every morning to wake up and spend time in God's word. I have to choose to speak back the the truth of what God says over me by practicing affirmations. I have to choose to, by faith, reach out and do connections. And I also have to be honest. I can't hide in shame from my mental illness. So the last few years, I've made it a point in my friendships to share what I struggle with. Because when I'm in the midst of a low, I may not return your messages. I will hide from the world. Um, But being open with my friendships that this is what I struggle with um, has made me feel that I could be more accepted and loved. I'm not worried that they're taking it personally. They're now understanding that that is one of my battles and they're able to love me through it because I've chosen to share it and be open with it. Carla, I applaud you. You are beautiful. It actually makes me a little emotional to say the hard work you have to do every day to ensure that you're connected, that you're healthy. But just even today, as you spoke out, that you are loved and and literally seen, heard and loved. And so thank you. Thank you so much for your life and for uh, just the reminder of who we are in Christ. So thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Hey, it's Kelvin again, interrupting the conversation to let you know that you can find more inspiring content, full interviews, behind the scenes, and trivia contests with our guests on YouTube. You can also follow See Here Love's Instagram and Facebook for daily encouragement. And one more thing, if you like what See Here Love is doing, please support us at seeherelove.com slash give. Thanks, and now back to the show. Well, Joe Saxon, it is so great to have you back here for the month from our homes, you know, from our, this is really comfortable, isn't it? It's cozy. I like it. I like it. I like the Out of the studio into the homes. And especially as we're talking about this topic about loneliness. And I know that loneliness in leadership is a key issue that many leaders face. What are your thoughts about that as we talk about that today? Yeah, I'm, I'm, one, I'm really glad as a topic it's come up because where has there ever been a safe place to talk about feeling lonely? Um, and I've found with the leaders I've spoken to as I've come alongside women, whether they are um, in churches or in business, that loneliness is almost, it's so, it's so intense that it's almost palpable. And I think it's only been accentuated by the pandemic. It was always there and it was always deeply there for women. And, and I've seen a number of reasons why. For some, it was because they were the only woman there. I think Shonda Rhimes talks about it being the first only different. So the first woman on that board, the first woman speaking at that church, the first woman doing this thing, or the only woman of color in that context, or because she's different, because she may have a different point of view, or a different lived experience, not even necessarily a point of view, but a different lived experience, those things can accentuate the loneliness. And the dilemma with that is, as women leaders are processing those sorts of things, um, it can make your dream smaller because you need community for clarity. You need community for confidence. And when you have those things taken away from you for, for one reason or another, um, the, the loneliness can be consuming. Yeah. And I've met many women in tears because of that. You know, I resonate with that a lot as a woman with 
sort of the gifting of communication and leadership and being a brown woman, it was very lonely because a lot of people didn't understand what I was going through. Some of them didn't really want to understand. People felt threatened. And so you keep that inside, Joe, and you, yes, there's a deep loneliness as a leader because you don't want to share too much in case it offends or it puts you in a very vulnerable position. Uh, what would you say, I guess, to, to women like me or women like that who are saying, I'm, I'm afraid to share and I'm deeply lonely. How do, how do I connect? What do I do? Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated one because I think there is that risk, isn't there, of, of there's a two-way risk. There's a risk when you hide yourself away because you want to fit, because God was actually delighted in the way he wired you. <laughs> do you know what I mean? God celebrates how you're wired. God celebrates how he made you. Not a surprise or an accident to him. But I, I appreciate for some of us, there's a cost in stepping into how God's wired us. So I think that the first thing I want to encourage us to is, is in, in many ways, the secret place with God in terms of, hey, this is how you made me. And I need to, I want to be faithful to who you made me to be mm -hmm. and give me the courage to do that, the boldness to do that, the peace to simply be how you've shaped me and wired me. I think that's one thing. And then there's a really proactive but courageous for, for some of us thing I want to encourage us to do. And that is we need to be actively super proactive in building relationships. And that may start online. It may start on LinkedIn. It may start on Instagram. People in our field, people who look like us and don't look like us, other women who you see are leading, maybe in a different space, but in the same kind of sphere as you, the same kind of level of leadership. We need to be proactive. And I think society sometimes has caricatured leadership as a place where you stay lonely and anybody else is a threat. And we have to be intentional about breaking that down because it hurts us and it wounds us. Joe, have you ever been lonely? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, in what, in what times and, and sort of spaces in your life? And then how did you kind of push through that yeah. to, the, to engage community or connection? Um, I was lonely and I mean, it's probably, I think of every decade in my twenties, the loneliness was because I was single when all my friends were married and I got married at 29 and most of my friends got married at like 23 and I was leading and I was like, um, is this going to stop me? You know, like if I want to settle down, do I need to settle down? <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and there was a lot of grieving with that and talking with mentors helped me through that, that era. In my thirties, I had, my children were very young and I felt kind of, and I was in a new country at that point, And it was like, is it okay for me to lead as the mother of young children or is this bad? And not having, I, I had to find safe friendships, not necessarily people who did what I did, but people who saw me and accepted and built my life, helped me come, um, came alongside me in life. Um, in my forties, the loneliness is, um, I, I think it's palpable for leaders. I think there is a loneliness because we're more isolated now. There's a loneliness of wanting to find people. And often the people who you connect with may be further than you would feel comfortable. There may be other parts of the country, other parts of the world. Um, and I've now made it a, made it a non-negotiable that every year I'm like, God, who am I building relationships with? And I'm not just looking for one special friend because people be busy. <laughs> people be busy. I am casting the net out to um, meet people, connect with people, knowing that not everybody's got time. Right. But somewhere, if I go for 10, maybe I'll get three. I'll start there. That's good. And I think too, with connection and community, there's always risk. You know, I always say it's not perfect. Like people go, well, I tried Melinda and then it failed. So I'm not going to try anymore. And it's like, well, that's, that's not a great attitude to have because 
things aren't going to work always the way that you want. You're not going to find that perfect girlfriend or, or be a fat at church. What would you say to that? Because I think I've, I've really come across people who have like tried it once and then cut themselves off and say, yeah, no, that's not the community or I'm better off on my own. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, um, I'm sure you, I'm sure I can almost already tell for both of us have encountered betrayal. Do you know what I mean? We've encountered people who've let us down profoundly, profoundly. And I get, and so I understand the pulling back because it's wounding, but I want to encourage each and every one of us to say, do you want to survive that? Or do you want to see it redeemed? There is a difference between the two. And I believe that God has redemption for us in this. And that's not to minimize the struggle. That's not to minimize it, but actually we were designed with relationship in mind, including those of us who lead. And actually it brings out better leadership in us, healthy people around us. So I want to, I want to encourage you and invite you to take the risky step of getting your wounds healed and, and trying again, because you are a healthier and more fulfilled and more effective leader because of it. It's good. And then finally, just for someone who is lonely, who's watching this, who's listening, a verse, a anthem, a song, a hurrah. <laughs> so what, how would you encourage them? What would you say as just a sister to, to her at this time? It's really hard time in this kind of year. Yeah, I am. First of all, if that, if that is your story, I'm really sorry um, that it's been so painful and where you feel it tangibly and physically. Um, and, and sometimes a lot the thought in our mind is you're the only one and there's some, this is something to do with you. And, and those thoughts are lies. And I, the, the, the picture that came to my mind was um, the story of Hagar, this um, woman who is caught up in somebody else's brokenness, frankly, with Abraham and Sarai and has to escape. And she, this vulnerable woman, um, encounters God and her response is you are the God who sees me. And in the Hebrew, that's not just, I saw you around. The word for seeing is one is a proactive word where see with a view to get up and do something about where you're at. And I want to encourage you with her story to say, there is a God who sees you and doesn't just observe you're there, but actually rises to interact with your life again um, and bring people alongside you to move you forward. I love that. I think that's perfect as we go month to month, Joe, on these segments of helping women rise up in sort of their calling and leadership. I think to identify things that we are facing, like loneliness. Last month, we talked about the imposter syndrome. Those are really important, honest things that we need to address. And I'm so glad that you are willing and able to really speak into that in an honest way and to help us along. So that that's great. Thank you. Yeah, let's just keep talking for hours. <laughs> but I think you have to wrap up or something. <laughs> and sometimes soon you'll have to come on over and hang out here in my house. We can just chat and solve the world's problems. There we go. And we can sit down, have snacks, snacks yes. and beverages, talk for hours. That's the game plan. Okay, awesome. Thanks again. We'll see you next month, Joe. Well, to help us with the solution of the epidemic of loneliness, I have co-host of the Embedded Church podcast, senior pastor in Tacoma, Washington, and author of Three Pieces of Glass, Why We Feel Lonely in a World Mediated by Screens. Eric Jacobson, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here today. That's a lot on you, I know, so don't get too overwhelmed. <laughs> but, but just quickly, okay. you say that the three reasons why we're lonely is in three pieces of glass. Can you just explain that really quickly to us? Absolutely. And let me make a quick qualification. I know I'm supposed to solve the entire problem, but I know loneliness <laughs> is a complex problem and there's a lot of reasons for it and a lot of 
potential solutions. So I'm really just picking up one maybe forgotten element or one overlooked element. And so I look at these three pieces of glass as representing sort of society-wide decisions to move away from human face-to-face contact towards something else. Um, first one being the automobile. We built our whole society around driving everywhere for a lot of reasons. But one of the things it did is it spread us out from each other, put a lot of distance between where we live and where we work. And, and then it also fragmented us where the place that we work is different from the place that we worship or do shopping. And so each of those represent different communities, but they're all sort of fragmented. Mm-hmm. The first piece of the glass is the automobile windshield. We're also kind of jerks to each other when we're driving. You know, we're not, <laughs> we don't see each other as other humans. We're yeah. like competitors for lane space. Yeah. And it really, it kind of diminishes our humanity. So that's one. The second piece of glass is the television. Um, a lot of reasons for why we kind of <laughs> leaned into the television for our social relationships, partially because we are so spread out. But I say that the television is kind of like the junk food of human relationships where it satisfies us a little bit, you know, for our need for human connection, but it's not ultimately satisfying like right. a really good meal. Mm-hmm. And so we're full with junk food. We're not going out, you know, to meet actual people because we're, you know, bonding with these reality show people. And then cell phone just kind of takes those two and extends it. You know, we go to the grocery store, we go pick up our kids from school. And instead of actually talking to people, we're so accustomed to looking through screens, we just stare at our phones instead of talking face to face. So that's kind of my take on the problem. So the solution is uh, really to kind of recognize that screens are uh, not helping us as much as we think they are. They're actually making us more lonely. That's one issue. And then secondly, to lean into some practices, both individual and society-wise, that will prioritize human face-to-face contact. So one of them uh, is proximity. So <clears throat> the phone, so sorry, the car, Eric, all Eric, things- Eric, this is your first strategy. So just we went from the problem. We're now going into the strategy on the how strategy. to counter loneliness. Okay, first exactly. strategy. Exactly. To prioritize proximity. So the phone, the car, all those things really expand our sense of distance. Okay. It's kind of exciting you can connect with someone across the globe or you can drive, you know, you can live really far from where you work and all that stuff. But proximity means drawing a circle, maybe an eighth of a mile uh, radius around your home or maybe where you work or your place of worship and really try to focus in on the relationships there because those people you're going to see in multiple contexts. The screen is really good for transactional relationships. I want something from you. You give it to me. I pay you that. It's all kind of, you know, (laughs) Tinder-esque. Is this good for me? Is this good for you? Whereas the people who live close to us, we're going to have multi-layered kind of human-human contact with. They're not just going to be, you know, the sales clerk. They're actually going to be someone we know their kids, and it's going to be a more satisfying relationship. Okay, so so that's one. That's number one. Number two? Number two is walkability and that's one that you can't necessarily solve on your own but our society needs is is doing it but i think we can contribute to that but we really designed a lot of our environments around convenience for cars and those tend to be really inhospitable for pedestrians and so there's a lot of movement to make walkable communities to live in places where you could walk for some of your destinations even if you're commuting to work you could walk for your groceries or to go to church that creates a place for spontaneous interaction with other people. I like that. So number three, what's number three? Number three is uh, called placemaking. We need to have places where we can connect with people that have, that are, that are not just generic sort of, uh, you know, uh, 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 national chain stores. A farmer's market is a wonderful place that sort of got local uh, food, local people, all that stuff kind of combined. You go there 
and you feel more connected than when you go to a grocery store to pick up your I love groceries. That. So and finally, trying to create places. Of, yeah. The and fourth then, one yep. is, uh, is uh, local culture. And that's uh, just trying to lean into a common story. I'm not a sports fan. I live near Seattle. Every once in a while, the Seattle Seahawks do well. <laughs> and when they're in the playoffs, when I walk around town or when I go to the grocery store or anything like that, I feel more connected because everyone's talking about the Seahawks. We have like a common story. Right. Yeah. And one of the things, that's not the only kind of common story, but that's just my example. So leaning into a common story helps us feel more a sense, a greater sense of belonging in the places that we live. Eric, that's so great because I think what I'm hearing is the antidote to loneliness is belonging, is community. It's not something big and overwhelming, but it's actually right within where you live and in your proximity. So I love that. I love the three pieces of glass. That That's something I have to kind of process, especially I'm in television, but I totally get what you're saying. But thank you for your thoughts on those four strategies. It will really make, I know our viewers and listeners, think again about their space and place, where they live and who they interact with. So thank you so much. And that's, that's brilliant solutions. I think we nailed it. I think you nailed it on the solution or solutions for loneliness. So thanks so much for being with us. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Hi, Melinda. It's so great to be with you guys today. And it's so encouraging to hear how the show has unfolded so far today, talking about loneliness. I know I can certainly relate to that. Hi, everyone. My name is Kimberly, and I live in Prince Edward Island. But Prince Edward Island wasn't always my home. In fact, I was born and raised in Ontario, and that's where all of my family remains. During the course of my life, God has taken me to many parts of the world to minister. And every time that I've gone, I've gone alone. And so I've experienced loneliness in the physical sense. And yet there were also many times during those years of ministry, and even still today, where I experience more than just a physical loneliness, but an emotional loneliness. There were times when I've really cried out to God, even in a crowd, to say, Lord, I feel so lonely. And there were times when I just felt lost and forgotten. And every time God spoke to me, in fact, he was always faithful to take me back to a verse he had given me many years ago, a verse that I hold on to and I continuously come back to, and that's Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Why is that verse so special to me? First, because it's a calling back to him to be still, to silent my heart and to silent my mind, which for me is always moving and always busy. And the other thing is just to know, to really move in, to draw closer to Him into a deeper, more intimate relationship with Him. And in that knowing, to understand that He really, truly is God. He is the great I am. And He is the answer to every question and every need that I have. And so when those times of loneliness comes, and it does still happen, I call out to Him and I return to those verses and he is always faithful to answer me. I pray that even today, as you hear this talk, as you hear these scripture verses, that your hearts would be encouraged and your lives would be changed by the word. Changed. It all has changed. But one thing has remained constant. It's God's unchanging word to us. Where people are at risk, when faith is under siege to millions craving hope and generations seeking purpose, God speaks. The world is changing, but the Word of God remains unchanged.
Well, if you're one of the thousands of people today who are feeling lonely, I really hope this show helped you. Or if you know someone that is lonely, then I hope this show has encouraged you to reach out where you are. I want you to hear this. We need you. You being alive and here is valuable. And you offer to the world your unique self and all your gifts and abilities, your presence. You matter and we need one another. Just like I need you, Kelvin. Hey, I need you too. <laughs> you matter and I see you, Kelvin. Ah, uh, shucks, I see you too. <laughs> Thanks. And to read our blogs on loneliness and community and to watch all of our current and past shows, go to seeherlove.com and make sure you connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. And know that in your loneliest times and good times and strong times, that always you are seen, you are heard, and you are deeply loved by God. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Kelvin again. Don't forget to sign up to be a See Here Love host for the day. Take over Melinda's chair at seeherlove.com slash takeover. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.